It is happy birthday, Giorgio Moroder. Who's Giorgio Moroder, I hear you ask? He's an Italian composer, songwriter and producer. He dubbed the father of disco and he wrote this song. He It was his finest achievement. Uh, he wrote the score for the film Top Gun, including The Danger Zone, that hit. Flashdance, Giorgio wrote that. But according to David Bowie, his then collaborator Brian Eno came running in and told him he had heard the sound of the future when he heard I Feel Love by Donna Summer. Um, so there we have it, a beautiful song there, and uh, it was inducted into the National Recording Registry in 2011. A lot of feedback this afternoon regarding uh, painkillers, tramadol, and also loneliness of Wallace painkillers. And this is a, it's actually this is really important to read out. They've been a lifesaver for me. I have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. Painkillers have helped manage, stay employed, and have been able to care for family who needed care and support. And so for me, I'm very grateful for medical science. Uh, we're talking about that. And tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, we're talking about how you manage your pain. If you, if you live with pain, how do you do it? What's your tips, your techniques, your advice? Uh, a lot of feedback already coming through into my email box, the panel at rnz.co. Dot NZ. Uh, morphine here. Morphine was useless for the agonizing pain of pinched nerve. Oh gosh, but that's really hard. Slow release tramadol, though, was my savior. After four weeks, I was able to come off it, but I did have to cut back slowly, and I did feel uh, peculiar for a uh, first stay. And a lot of people getting in touch saying uh, that um, side effect of tramadol, saying you mentioned uh, they gave that person uh, erotic dreams. It should be erratic dreams. No, this person said erotic dreams. Uh, and unless I'm corrected, uh, it'll stay that way. Uh, 436, the panel RNZ National. The application for a protection order form, 26 pages long. People accessing the New Zealand family court system are often distressed, and forms like this could discourage applicants, says our next guest. Humans of Family Court Aotearoa says it's an unsafe place used by abusive parents. Senior family lawyer Jeremy Sutton is here to discuss his ideas to improve the family court. Jeremy, kia ora. Oh, Wallace, thank you very much for having on this program to discuss this topic. It's a pleasure and it was a really great article and I've got to say Jeremy I was actually quite surprised a lot of the information I didn't know but amongst included that um, 26 pages long and that was running from my mind that could be an impediment to many you get that form go oh gosh where do you start? Oh, absolutely, and and you know mo- most people have to pay for that application for a protection order as well. It's not covered by the state, so it's just it's very very difficult for people. And the the form needs to be much simpler. And in this age, we could even inc- you know include a video with the form about how to go about it, mm. and just uh, ask them to um, perhaps have a few simple options. Often these things are three or four options, like. Is it physical violence? Is it psychological? You know, is it financial? Just make it easy for people going through this situation. You've spent a lot of time in the family court, Jeremy. Paint us, for our listeners, a bit of a picture of what it can be like for families. Well, it's it's difficult because there 
they're nervous about seeing a lawyer first of all. It's an unfamiliar mm. environment for them. When when they um, perhaps file documents, it could be okay, but but then the process it takes such a long time to get to an outcome for families, and of course it affects the children more than anyone else. So. It's not satisfactory at the moment. People are trying really hard. Judges are trying really hard. Court staff are trying hard. Lawyers are, are, are trying hard. But it's um, it's not an advanced system, if I could say that. Yeah, I was I was surprised on many levels about this, and I want to get to our um, panelists very very soon. But another one again in the criminal law, criminal court rather, duty lawyers. Are available. Um, so you've got a lawyer available if you self represent who can run you through proceedings, often quite complicated. In family court, you don't have them. No, you don't, Wallace. I mean, you, you do have the ability to speak to a, to a lawyer beforehand, maybe at the community law centre or the SIN's advice, but there's, there's nothing like speaking to a lawyer just before you go into court. And one of the consequences of this is that the person who is not represented doesn't know the process or the system, and so that matter often takes a long time. You know, in the day, instead of taking 15 or 30 minutes, it takes longer, and and, and it's not any reflection on that self-represented person. It's just that we don't have a system that, you know, that actually helps uh, people and gives them some some, some basic advice. No, Anthony. Yeah, thanks, Wallace. Thank you, Jeremy. I mean, look, this is just, uh, it's fascinating and, um, and it's just such a complex area within, uh, within courts as well, I'm sure. I guess when you think about, um, trends or successes and, and innovation, I guess, offshore or in overseas markets, are there countries that we should be looking at and leaning towards more? And, and what can we, if there were two or three tangible things that we could bring from offshore, uh, that will drive some of these um, success stories and, and the, the response time, really, as well, uh, and the complexities to try and solve some of these things for parents. Um, what, where and where would you look? What would you look at? Uh, well, I'm not um, an expert in looking at overseas countries, but Australia seems to have a more streamlined system than, than us, and what um, is being proposed in this um, digital strategy is to have Mm. um, a digital and not paper system. So at the moment, lawyers go to court with their clients for hearings with, you know, huge boxes of paper. Yeah. And if it could all be online, there there could be um, many advantages. Um, So so that might be one one of the biggest single things. And, And, of course, that would help um, clients as well, being able to have it in a, in a digital form. And then specialism, Australian has more specialised family courts, but of course we have smaller numbers here. No. So the yeah. comparison with Australian you know, may not be so, um, so good. Mark? Yeah, look, Jeremy, one of the big complaints I've heard for years and years and years about the family court is just simply the time it can take mm. to get a result. And we all know justice delayed is justice denied. Is the family court slower than the other courts or is it right across the system? The, the family court is um, is improving 
it seems to be slower than, say, the criminal court because when you start, things go reasonably well with the registry and getting documents, but, but the intermediate stage, the middle stage, tends to take a long time, and one of the reasons for that might be that often cases are not able to be case managed by one judge. So you've got one judge looking at it for a while, and then the other judge pick, you know, picks it up and says, oh, I haven't been able to read the file. So um, it, it's, it's not satisfactory, uh, really, you know, how you compare it to. But, of course, you've, you've heard these stories about cases, Mark, that have gone on for... Oh. You know, three or four years or more in the family court, and a lot of people are to blame for that. It's not just the clients; it's it's a whole, you know, a whole number of factors, including the lawyers as well. Is so it, it fit for purpose, Jeremy? Uh, is it fit for purpose, Mark? Um, I I consider that you know I consider there could be many um, improvements, even things like. Um, Resources and experience and training for people who are in the court system, you know, who who are court staff. They're under enormous pressure, Mark. So um, it could be much better than it is at the moment, and people are working very hard. So there might be some uh, some movement in this space, uh, the Family Court Legislation Bill. Uh, where's that at, Jeremy? Uh, I'm, I'm not, um, th- that bill, um, I'm not sure exactly where that, uh, in the process, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's going to take effect later in the year, but that's a really important bill because at the moment, um, if you are, um, in the family court system, you have court registrars that deal with administrative matters mm. and you have judges. And you have a big hole, Wallace, in the middle. And, and so senior lawyers would be appointed by the court to act as associates and really make this decision. So that's a major problem for what Mark um, was saying about being fit yeah. for a purpose. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't run properly, you know, right, right through the process. That's a major issue for us. It's lovely to have you on, Jeremy. Thanks for explaining it. Uh, Kia ora. Appreciate it. Thanks, um, thanks Wallace. Uh, and Marilyn says, uh, I'm a lawyer uh, in both criminal and family courts. We need more judges. That would help. Uh, Jeremy is a senior family lawyer there. Gosh, uh, interesting, isn't it? Uh, if, you, if you didn't know, the application for a protection order uh, form is 26 uh, pages long. With me today, uh, Nuanthi Samara Cohn and Mark Sainsbury, Keep your stories about how to deal with pain coming through into our email inbox, the panel at rnz.co.nz, because we come back to this. One person says, I deal with pain, don't take anything because I meditate. Uh, So we might get uh, that person on uh, maybe tomorrow. Uh, But to this, now, what's your most loved and loathed corporate jargon? Phrases just uh, written in starting sentences with absolutely. Oops, that's me. And grinds my gears, also 100. <laughs> You've also got the greatest hits, like moving forward. You've got the classics, like on my radar, the truly disliked learnings, and ones we all use, uh, like reaching out. And the young guns, such as boil the ocean. The survey was conducted by Office Max of 500 office workers. Jargon demonstrates apparently that you and I 
We're on the same page. Well, someone who's on our page is Vaughan Davis from the Goat Farm. Uh, as an ad agency, he lives this world. Kia ora, Vaughan. Kia ora, Wallace. Tēnā panellists. How are you all? Yeah, kia ora, Vaughan. We kia are ora. wonderful. Kia ora, Vaughan. Vaughan, yeah. So, Vaughan, what are your key takeaways? Well, mate, I, I came into this ready to hate, you know, because I'm, uh, I've made a living out of out of writing for pretty much the last 30 years. And I, I, I'm a, a big fan of George Orwell and his, uh, you know, his love of plain language. I mean, heck, you know, 1984 was uh, 50% politics and 50% about the degradation of the English language. But, you know, thinking about it, I, I actually quite love some of this jargon. I quite love the colour and the richness that it brings to our language, you know, both in, in the office and just in, in general use. Here's one. Someone's just said, "Cascade this to your leads." Wow, there's a new one, Vaughan. Mark, well, that can get that can, oh. that can get in the sea. That one, <laughs> Wallace. I brought home a poster from China when I went there, and it was Mao Zedong standing there with a big crowd smoking a cigarette. As it turned out, <laughs> but it had "moving forward." That was the try. Asked the guy to translate it, <laughs> and it was. Mo- I hated that phrase. People go, "Look, we've got to move forward," and everyone's going, "Who wants to move backwards?" And all reaching out. If you reach out, (laughs) may not get your hand back. There's plenty of bland ones. There's plenty that, you know, no no one, no one uh, should be using. You're moving forward. You're circling back. You're reaching out. (laughs) You're learning. Save me from the learnings. I looked up learnings today because I thought I was convinced it wasn't a proper word. It is, but it's the context. Yeah, just because it gets in a dictionary doesn't mean it's good. Let's yeah. let's let's just huh. between the four of us to be the arbiters on these things. Exactly. I mean, pull the plug. I love pull the plug. Imagine you know uh, a, a loud, noisy party. The lights are flashing. The the music's going, and suddenly boom. That's evocative, right? And you can see it, can't you, Noanthe? You know, uh, you're in a you're in a uh, you're in a you're in a pitch, okay, for a business, uh, and then you say mm-hmm. to your partner, they've just walked out. Let's pull the plug. Easy to understand. Yeah. Totally, totally. I am so guilty of using a lot of those phrases, honestly. As I was reading the other spin-off article, it was kind of hilarious as well. But I often get told off by some of my um, friends' parents when they hear me talk about things, and I you just you just end up using it in everyday language, right? And um, and it's only when you get pulled up, you think, oh, really? Does it really sound that bad, or is it really that sort of corporate jargony? But hey, it's just the world I we live in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, and sometimes it is bad, but I mean, things like, you know, flavour of the month. I love the phrase flavour of the month. Sometimes you're strawberry, sometimes you're, you know, you're you know, Flogging a dead horse. We can say something is futile, but if I say you're flogging a dead horse, you can, you can smell the dead horse. It's evocative. It's, it, it adds to the language. Yes. I love it. Well, this is Love the first it. time on the panel I think I've ever celebrated jargon. Um, what, what one do you hate, though, finally, Vaughan? Oh. I mean, there, there are, uh, let's just say changes. I'm going to use the word changes, and I'm going to use it in a specific way. When your electricity provider, or provider, there's a word, when your electricity retailer sends you an email that's titled, some changes to your electricity bill, and you go, ooh, changes, is it going down? Is it going up? Is it going to stay the same and move left or right? Changes. We know it means increases, just say increases. <laughs> I love it. Vaughan, you're a legend. Thanks for joining us. That's uh, Vaughan Davis for the Goat Farm Ad Agency, who says this afternoon, beware of changes. Um,
Very, very true as well, right? It's 10 to 5, the panel on RNZ National. Now, um, I just want to um, circle back, if you like, uh, to the aeroplane seat story where, if you hadn't heard, one traveller was asked to get out of his seat because the newlyweds wanted to sit together, uh, and uh, we had quite a bit of response to that, including Anna. Kia ora, Anna. Kia ora, Wallace. Lovely to have you on the panel. What was your story? Thank you. Oh, well, I regularly travel to Europe for work, and I would book ahead. And depending on how business was going, I'd either do business or um, exit aisle seats. And the number of occasions that I got asked as a single woman travelling alone on long-haul flights if I would mind very much changing um, seats and usually being offered... I have to say, a dud middle seat, not often an aisle, by um, other travellers. It was um, really quite hard to say no, and often you would do it, but reluctantly. So I was always hoping that you know the, um, the other passengers would probably approach the um, air stewards rather than directly asking me, because it's really hard to say no. What a dud upgrade that is. <laughs> Yeah, it was a dud upgrade. But the only time I did actually ever say no, and it backfired on me, I um, got on my flight, window seat, and the woman next to me with a child asked if she could have my seat. And I just thought, gosh, I'm going from Paris to Wellington. I really just want this, you know, this seat and get myself all cosy. And so I said no. And it turned out, this is really terrible, it turned out that they were refugees who'd been in a camp for about four years in Timor or somewhere, um, and the little boy hadn't seen his father for, you know, a number of years, and they were refugees, and I'd said no. So the only time I said no, it was to some refugee people. So it was Anna, I hope you got Anna's address, Wallace. Anna. Terrible. I feel terrible for you. That's shocking. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but I do think that, that you know, people want to change seats. Maybe they could try and go through the flight attendants first because it it is mm. a real pressure to say mm. no. No, I think. Mm. I, I so agree with Anna. I think it needs to. There needs to be a formal process if you're trying to change seats. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. ask cabin crew first <laughs> and then talk to yeah. the passenger next to you. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Can be Well, not at all. But- and, and just with your refugees and, and just not moving seats. And, I mean, you can't be blamed. Mm. You didn't know the context. And, you, you know, know, as much as it was, it's sad, it just, yeah. It was You're terrible. You're entitled to cosy up. Terrible. So I'll never say no again. So, you know, if you ever want to talk to me, I'm say yes. Don't you dare, Anna. Are you going yeah. to yeah. rethink your plan now? <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. No, I just, no, I'm just I know, I can tell. I'll just no. cave immediately. <laughs> Let us know when you're flying business next, Anna, and we'll ask to swap. Oh, yeah. You'll be yeah. first to know. Kia ora, Anna. Thanks for being with us. Kia ora. Very good. Oh. Um, on Payne, Lavinia says, I thoroughly recommend The Way Out book and curable app for dealing with pain. Both are fantastic. We're talking pain tomorrow. Um, inbox full of uh, just tips and advice of if you live with pain, and it kind of gets up in your head sometimes, you do. What's the mix of things you do? Therapeutics, painkillers, that type of thing. Because it's tough, isn't it? You know, you've got a really bad back, you've got bad nerve, bad hip, whatever. 
uh, it can make life tough. Um, finally, coming to this, the other day we had Rob on to talk about his Rally 20. A Rally 20, the stuff of dreams. Never got to own one. Made in Hastings, to be precise, New Zealand, and it got quite a response. Some said, we couldn't afford a Rally 20, we had a cruiser. Another listener said, I had a healing low line. I envied those with the Rally 20. And Alec on social media said he renovated his and bought it up to 21st century specifications. Alec, tang kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Lovely to have you on. Tell us your story about your Rally 20. Yeah, no, um, lovely to be here. So I was one of the fortunate few I was listening in the other day. I didn't have to pay a cent for my Rally 20. Found it on the side of the beach road down in Waihe. Um, this gorgeous metallic blue machine, and I was like, I I want to bring that back to life. And so, um, took it off the street, took it back to the batch, and uh, started having a bit of a nosy around, and realised it was actually in some great condition, um, and really, really prime for for getting back on its, on its wheels. Um, but, but one one major problem was was bringing it back to Tamaki Makoto and the hills, the hills of Tamaki, and I was like, I can't. I can't ride around <laughs> on a single-speed Rally 20. Let's <laughs> whack a battery on this, put a motor on it, and, uh, and it goes like a dream. Ooh, what? Dream. So hang on. Yeah. You electrified a Rally 20? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuck a battery on it, um, put a little motor on it, and, and, and now pootle away up and down the hills of, hills of Auckland. It's Can great. you it's email me a picture of your... Um, e- E20, your E-Rally 20, please? Yeah, 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 totally, totally, totally. It's, um, I mean, it, it, it's funny because it's, it's now a bike that, that's older than me. So as I was taking it apart, um, the, the, the internal workings were, was a 1978 um, hub. And so it was like, yeah, let's, let's bring this back from, uh, from 1970s to, so like you said, 21st century electric, electric vehicle. Isn't that gorgeous, Mark Sainsbury? I know well, you love uh, I vehicles. had a Rally 20, Wallace. Oh, you did? I did. It was the only new bike. It was about the only new thing. I think there were six boys in our family. We had, you know, old second-hand bikes. And we, my father, who worked for Dell Giddies, and they could, all, <laughs> they could all order it from Morrison's and get it, you know, That's wholesale or whatever. Hey, anyway, I, I was just so desperate. This thing was, it was just the most exciting thing in my life. Every day I badged him, has it arrived? Has it arrived? <laughs> he must have been sick of it. And finally this thing turned up, and it had... It was a two-speed, and you pushed the pedals back, it would change gear. If you pushed them harder, the brake That's would right. work. Good for skidding. So you could either get the two-speed automatic or the three-speed. But, oh, this thing was just it was just unbelievable. I just can't at the excitement when he finally arrived with this great big box poking out the back of the Zephyr. It was just Alec, unreal. Alec, great story, Mark. Alec, do you get comments about your electrified Rally 20? Yeah, I, I, I do, I do. Mostly because people can't see the motor, so so they're, they're watching me and they're thinking I'm huffing and puffing all the way around the streets of Auckland. But actually, um, actually, it's got got this nice little motor that keeps me going. But yeah, I, I get some lovely comments actually. A lot of nostalgia. A lot of a lot of people, some of Mark saying, "Oh, it, it brings back a lot of good memories," which is great. Which is kind of what what you want to do. You want to bring a smile to people's faces and, and remember about you know this great. There's great technology, actually. That that, that rear brake, Mark, um, the, the one I picked up had this rear, has this rear coaster brake, so you pedal backwards to brake. And the mechanism's so amazing. It, it was still working when, wow. when I could. I've, I've, had to, I've had to improve the brakes a little bit because it goes a little bit faster now. Yeah. Um, but the rear coaster was is, is this amazing piece of uh, ingenuity. Nuanthi? It just, just expands. Yeah, it just uh, expands to, to stop the bike. Um, bike growing up, just, what did you have? 
Uh, I didn't really, but I do cycle heaps now. <laughs> but it's more just road cycling. But can I just say, like, I think it's um, fantastic to see mm. how you've just um, zhuzhed this up, really, and just the innovation behind it as well and pushing it to a whole new level in terms of those boundaries. Well done, you. An electrified Rally 20. You heard about oh, it on the panel. Alec, uh, you, you must be proud. Um, please send me a picture because people want to see it. Totally. Will do. Fantastic stuff. And what a wonderful panel you've both been. The one this Morricone. Hope Reese gets better. Mark Spangebury, good you. to hear from you. I'm Wallace Chapman. Power Ballad Friday. Tomorrow, I'm with you 3.45, of course. Checkpoint with Lisa Owen next.